You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, which syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I have a fabulous interview subject coming up for you. It's the bassist from Finnish outfit, Battle Beast. His name is Aero Zapila. And now, Aero, if you are listening, if I've mispronounced your name, my sincere apologies. Finnish is definitely not my strong point. The reason for the conversation with Aero is to promote Battle Beast's brand new album for 2019 titled No More Hollywood Endings. So let's have a listen to what he has to say. Here we go. Hello, mate. How are you going? Hey, good. How are you? Good. How's the Aussie phone grind treating you? Are we uh, asking the right sort of questions? <laughs> Well, so far, yeah. Actually, I have to reschedule a couple of interviews, so I've only done one so far. But uh, it was very nice, so I'm hoping you will be too. <laughs> <laughs> I always do my best, mate. It's always nice to talk to someone from uh, from Finland as well, actually. Really? Yeah, I was talk- I spoke to Nora a couple of years ago, okay. and then I spoke to, uh, and I might get his name wrong here, but I think it's Anton from Beast in Black as well, who I understand you guys were bandmates a couple of years ago, so that's the extent of my uh, my Finnish conversations, I must let you know. But it's always a pleasure to talk to someone from uh, from the lovely land of Finland. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right, mate, let's get stuck into things. So this new album, No More Hollywood Endings. I, I liked Bringer of Pain, but I've got to tell you, I think you've hit it out of the park with this one here. I think this is, uh, I'm not going to use a word like improved, but I think it's a very, very strong album, No More Hollywood Endings, okay? Particularly the, uh, the single, No More Hollywood Endings, in the video that you guys have done. So what did you do differently on this album compared to Bringer of Pain? Well, well first of all, thank you very much. I'm glad you feel that way. Uh, well, I don't think we actually did anything very differently. It's just, you know, uh, I like it when you said, like, progressed or improved, because that's how I feel, too. Like, yes, I think we just have a, it, it's just kind of a more confident effort, I think. Like, we had a strong belief that, you know, we can pull this off. We can make another great record. It's going to be a, a good one. Yep. And, uh, I mean, I, I also liked a previous record, but I, I like this actually way better. I mean, of course, it's also because of the fact that it's new and songs mm. yeah. are something I haven't played live for 200 times, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't know. We are... Yeah, it's just, you know... I don't know. It was just kind of a... kind of an easier mood doing it. It's very hard to put it into words, but, you know, it just felt different. Mm. But on the other way, there wasn't much different. I mean, we recorded in the same place, uh, yep. The same guy produced it, our keyboard player, Janne. So, uh, yeah, we didn't actually do anything different. It just turned out different. It's, I guess that's just how music is. Like, you know, stuff just happens. Well, you've been together since, God, no, I mean, this is your, what, your fifth or sixth album since 2011. Right. So you've been very consistent with the releases. So I think probably this is my take on what's probably happened. You've got used to each other and the way you guys like to write together. And I think you've probably gotten more used to the studio too because the strings, let's talk about this, the strings and the cut, no more Hollywood endings. Who composed them? Because they are stunning. Uh, actually, uh, I have to check the name. I mean, it was Janne's idea to use them, but it was an uh, outside arranger. I mean, we had the ideas of, you know, where we're going to need the strings. Yeah, yeah. And there were, you know, some general lines of like how they should be. But on the top of my head, I, I really can't you know, say who it was. I'll, I'll have to Google that. Okay. I'll no, can probably right. send you. But it, it was somebody outside of the band. 
And look, the other thing that I noticed is the album is more aggressive. Would you agree with that? Because it's certainly... I've had it for about a week or so now because I'm in the Nuclear Blast portal. But I've been listening to it in a variety of applications. I've actually been outside playing darts and I've been listening to it. And I really... It impressed me how aggressive it was. So I appreciate that you probably haven't done anything different in terms of the approach of this album compared to the last one but do you notice that it's a bit of a heavier album compared to the last one as well actually no i mean it, it's funny because you know every every journalist i've talked they have a you know different different ideas about it like the first somebody from france was like yeah like why are you guys nowadays symphonic metal and it was like oh wow we are and yeah, yeah so people i mean it feels like everybody has you know very different ideas about it and you know I mean, I know a lot of people were shocked by the first single because it, it's it's not very guitar-oriented track, and everybody's like, "This is too light for a melody song." Mm. But also, also like I know what you mean. There's some very very aggressive, heavy moments on it. So I, I think it's a uh, it's kind of a record, you know. It, it, it's a very cliche thing to say, but it has something for everybody. Mm. Like uh, I wanted to make a record that's kind of in every direction. Yeah. In the, in the sense that they're just more of everything. And I think there's a lot of, you know, feelings or uh, yeah, emotions that. that you can hold on to. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I definitely, can recognize I'm, that. Yeah, so that's pretty much it, yeah. So more of everything. So I'm, I'm also a bassist, actually. So I love talking to a fellow bass guitarist, especially one that's touring, <laughs> touring, the, world and, and touring the world and is a rock star as such as you are. So, so you. mate, with the, what, what sort of bassist did you choose to use this time around? Did you have a, a quiver of bases that you selected from or did you just have your go-to like what I do with my music man bases? I just uh, used, used the single bass which is my uh, uh, Spectre uh, Legend Custom which is actually one of the cheaper Spectre models but I think it's a wonderful instrument yep. and uh, yeah it's, it's a four-string uh, bass and there's really? some songs which, uh, it's a four-string bass yeah it's a <laughs> I thought for all money honestly I thought for all money you were using five-string because it's got a beautiful bottom end Yes, and that's where I'm going with, with this. Uh, we actually, uh, on some of the songs, we just tuned it like uh, uh, five half steps down to record those low beats. Oh, and wow. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's, I mean, yeah. It, it's the same bass I think I used for Bringer of Pain, or, or then it was the other one, which is also the same, I mean, same brand, but uh, different instrument but yeah it, it was all recorded with the one so how did you because I've, nice. I've used a, a four string in the studio as a five string i understand and appreciate what you've done but i had all sorts of problems staying in tune so did you have to tighten the truss rod to its almost maximum capacity in order to get it to stay in tune no i didn't have to do any of that stuff it, it stays i mean it stays in tune wonderfully and but of course like we were used having the tuner out like every every two minutes just to make sure that everything's nice and in tune, but uh, yeah, I didn't actually need any alterations. I was, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we had the recording guy and me, and we were both kind of surprised, like, how good it sounded. Yeah. Just use that uh, cheap solution of tuning it way down. But yeah, that's how it worked. Yeah, gotcha. And did you use, like, an interface such as an amplifier or a processing unit, or did you go straight into the desk? No, it's straight, straight into the liner. That's it. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can hear that Spectre sound now that you mention it. It's just a massive sound. It really, it really surprises me. You got such a great tone out of a four string, but every once in a while you pick up a bass, don't you? And it just works for you. It just does exactly what you want it to do. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, and just for the record, I'm not endorsing or being endorsed by Spectrum. I just really love playing them. So, uh, well, there you go. But yeah, it's an instrument that works for me. I mean, I really love them. Well, I think I'm planning on releasing this as a podcast episode, if that's cool. And if anybody from Spectre is listening, mate, give, give the man an endorsement. <laughs> Ringing yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, give me a call. Absolutely. Hey, and, and what about, did you write any of the songs on the bass and bring them to the band as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, sorry, did I write any of the songs? Or, oh, did you or write them on the, on the bass guitar specifically and no. then bring them to the band? Okay, yeah. No, I, I, ne- I never do that. Like, I think it's uh, better to have like, uh, well, I use guitar and uh, yeah. I mean, the bass is like, if you write like, I don't know, thrash metal, then maybe you can compose with the bass. But like, if you lo- want to make songs with, you know, actually thought out, you know, chord progressions and stuff, then it's better to use something else in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm not digging for any dirt here. I'm genuinely asking the question because I'm, uh, I'm curious. Okay, so I did. I, it is Anton that I spoke to from Beast in Black, and their new album's a cracking album as well. But um, is it is it just a coincidence that you both had a band a, a release out at the same time on Nuclear Blast? Yeah, just a coincidence. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's. I mean, they have their release schedules. I don't know uh, what the deal is, but I mean, we don't make the calls of like when our album is going to be out. So. Uh, yeah, it's a coincidence from our side, and I, I don't know if a nuclear blast had some idea, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you'd, you'd have to think That's that there it. would have been something behind that, I reckon. And I, the way I look at it, the split bit with Anton going and doing Beast in Black is that it's a bit like when Dave Mustaine left Metallica to form Megadeth. We've got two wonderfully inspired disco, or I, I say disco-themed heavy metal bands. I hope you don't mind me saying <laughs> it like that. But we've got yeah. two. We've got two of you now. Before there was just one, and now we've got two. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's the perfect solution. I think. I mean, I mean, what could go wrong? I mean, you get more bands and more music for people to like. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah, how that's, it is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, tell me, touring, are you um, are you going to be taking this one here to Australia potentially, or, or whereabouts are you planning on bringing the album on the road? Well, well, I mean, well, first of all, we're going to be touring like a hell of a lot. I mean, this year, like. Starting from March, we do first like we do four very big shows here in Finland, and then uh, all the whole April and yeah halfway to the end mm. of May with a European tour. Then we do a couple of more shows in Russia. Then during the summer we have like I think maybe 24 festival okay. shows. After which we go to the North America and we do six weeks maybe, and after that. Potentially South America, then Europe again. So yeah, the whole year is going to be crazy. And Australia is something we very much want to do, but it's mainly about the money. Like uh, yeah, I mean it's just so expensive flying six people plus crew plus gear halfway across the planet. So so the sensible thing to do would be like tying that with a, a tour in the East Asia, maybe like Japan and Australia or Australia and China. I don't know, but uh. Yeah, if the chance presents itself, we definitely will do it. So yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Another territory to look at. Just keep this one in your notebook. Is the Philippines? Rabid oh, heavy shit. metal fans in the Philippines, <laughs> man. You'd love to go there. Absolutely. I, I'll keep that in mind. Would love to. <laughs> yeah. Right, mate. Just a, a bit about yourself. Um, who did you listen to growing up? Who inspired you as a bass guitarist? Well, this is not a very, uh, <laughs> very uh, unique answer, but Steve Harris. Nice. Uh, the Godfather. And then, uh, absolutely. Plus, Jenny Lee from Rush. They were probably nice. my uh, 
inspirators in that way. I mean, I had others, but if I have to pick one or two, it would be them. Yeah. Were you inspired by any local bands in Finland? Did any, any bands there really inspire you to be, become a musician and to improve your craft as a musician that people listening might not be aware of? Uh, not really, actually. For, for some reason, as a teen, I had this thing like any band from Finland is, you know, not as not as good as somebody else. I mean, <laughs> we think the same thing here about Australian <laughs> bands. It's the same thing about Australian bands when you're an Australian. Yeah, it's always like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays, of course, I think think differently. But for some reason, as a teen, it was like this is anything out of Finland is not that fancy or uh, it's it's. Yeah, I don't know how I felt about it, but I just had this overall attitude about it. Yeah. Not a very smart attitude, but I still had it, so no. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I was just looking at the chart position for Bringer of Pain. So you're probably no doubt aware of this, but you were a number one, had a number one album. That was a number one album in Finland, okay? And it achieved yeah. number 14 in Germany. Now, my bold prediction is that you'll make top 10 in Germany with no more Hollywood endings. And, of course, this will be your third number one album in Finland. You probably, You might have already... You might already be projecting it in, in terms of like the amount of pre-orders and ship amount of copies that you've shipped and what do they call it when people pre-order things on digital? Um, you know, you might already be there with that, but it's, you must be pretty excited that, given the trajectory of the albums to date, this one here, given the strength of the album, should do very well for you guys commercially. Yeah, if you're if you're hearing a a slight knock, it's me knocking on wood because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's something I, I don't want to think about, like, how's it going to do? I mean, I'm hoping for the best, but, it, I mean, if you start thinking about the numbers or how it's going to sell, it drives you crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, I hope for the best. I hope it's going to chart well. I mean, I hope it takes us further, but, you know, it, it's not something you can concentrate on because if you do, then you lose the grip of being a musician, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, the label will be very happy, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I hope so, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you must get, and I think I've noticed this with some of the fan comments um, online, you're one of those metal bands that has a cohort of your fan base that aren't heavy metal fans. Now, that's only my observation, but do you see that when you're up there on stage and you look out? Do you see some, quote, unquote, normal-looking people at the gigs, not just metalheads? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, to some extent, yes. I mean, and I think it's a great thing because, uh, I mean, how should I put this, like... Uh, I mean, there's always going to be those, you know, ultra, super, duper, heavy, extreme metal bands who make music for the uh, metal hardcore. But I also think the genre needs, you know, kind of the bands who keep it closer to the mainstream. And, you know, for me, it would be a great honor if somebody like 10 years from now told me, like, yeah, Battle Beast was the first metal band I ever liked. And that yeah. got me into heavier, whatever. So, yeah, that's something I'm proud of. Like, I mean, I mean, it's good for people to be, you know, enjoying music out of their like out of the i mean out of the box of their usual likings like uh but but yeah that's a comment i've been hearing a lot from yeah. you know people in Finland especially like i don't usually like heavy metal but valve is, is something i enjoy and for me that's a great sense of pride yeah good on you mate yeah i, I think so too it, i've noticed that just i mean the music lends itself to a broader audience it really does and i think bands like you guys act as gateways for the non-heavy metal fan to appreciate heavy metal. Yes, that's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Hey, look, I'll, uh, I'll ask my last question then, and it's going to be a left-field one, but it's a cracker, okay? So sure. 
What's the craziest thing you've seen or done on tour? And and you can be as not safe for work as you want. <laughs> okay, uh, craziest thing. Uh, I don't know. It's probably you know, probably some stage prank thing. I would I would assume because you know we do a lot of you know last show pranks. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, okay for uh, maybe it's the uh, it's kind of hard to pick one, but it could be like. During our tour with Sabaton, like we did this, uh, well, it, it went on forever because we were drunk. But yeah, we got on stage during their song and with with, with nothing on except for uh, how should I put it, like a kind of a, a duct tape underwear. If you can, oh God! You know. Oh, how'd you get it off? That would have stung. Well, through pain. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, but that sort of stuff. I mean, it's it's not just one occasion, but that was. The one I remember the most. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, remember most probably slash am most ashamed of. <laughs> so, yeah. Probably take the cake. Yeah. That's a good one. I haven't heard that before, so I'll, I'll definitely play that one. That's a good one to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great, yeah. Good on you, mate. Well, look, this album will do good things for you regardless, I think. And um, you know, I hope so. Congratulations on it, you know, for being a great bass guitarist and a great band and, and for making, mate, the other thing, making a career playing heavy metal. I really admire yeah. people who can do that, mate, and you're one of them. So congratulations. <laughs> well, for thank you very much. Thank you so much. That's all right, brother. All right, no worries. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, mate. Bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, which syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that conversation featured Battle Beast bassist Eero Sipila. Thank you so much for tuning in.